Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I am Tommy Ashley. It is Tuesday night. That means it's on the beat live. Gregory Hall, Greg Barnes, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. I told everybody we're going to have some special guests. We've got two to three special guests with us at the moment. And Gregory, I'll let you, since you put it together, I'll let you introduce who we have here in the room with you and Greg and myself. Um, And then we'll get started because I think this is going to be a pretty fun night here on on the beat live so we have dr kendall rucker father of outside linebacker and edge rusher cayman rucker and mr terrell conley father of safety nickelback i mean he's all over the field curious right am i saying that pronouncing that correctly curious yes, yes sir so and we've got coach glover Dion glover <laughs> father of tony grimes on the way so, yeah, it's going to be a fun one, fellas. Appreciate you guys joining us. So let me, let me tell you what I ran past my wife before I got on this podcast. I said, how about this for an opening? Look, check this out. We got three halves of the architects of the pillars of Carolina's defense coming on the show. She said, what in the heck are you talking about? <laughs> I said, we got Tony's daddy. We got – Conley's daddy and we got Rucker's daddy. She was like, oh, that sounds nice. Cool. <laughs> so I hope the folks in the chat certainly appreciate um, you guys being here more than she did. Even though she's diehard, she doesn't keep up with the names too much. If I told her zero and 25 and 20, she didn't know much better. But okay. let me get let me get started. Um, and I'll start with you, Mr. Rucker, since or Dr. Rucker, since we are you were here first and, and then. Uh, Terrell, you can come come in on it. Recruiting. Tony Grimes, five-star. Hyped. Jacked up hype. Inside Carolina, all over it. Conley, four-star. Inside Carolina, all over it. Cayman, three-star. Inside Carolina, all over it. But, you know, it's a three-star. You know what I mean? And all that. As a father and as a guy close to watching your son go through the process, sort of describe the process for Cayman um, being recruited, uh, rising up in the rankings, sort of hitting a ceiling maybe in the rankings and then committing to Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with Cayman, um, 
I can say, you know, whenever he, you know, jumped on the map, you know, from high school, you know, he, you know, he went to some camps and, you know, he was granted his three star and, and then, you know, his group of five offers started to roll in, you know, he had somewhere around um, 27, yeah, 27 or 28 group of five. And his first offer came from Georgia Southern, you know, which is home. And, you know, we really appreciated that. Um, but, you know, he continued, you know, to go to camps and, and he, you know, would, you know, demolish these four and five star, you know, offensive tackles and things of that nature. And I, I think that started to get, you know, some attention of some power five um, universities, Louisville being one, and then North Carolina came in, but as far as the recruitment and, and the leveling, you know, of the, the stars, three-star, four-star, five-star, yeah, when we came to um, North Carolina and met uh, Coach Mac Brown, he never, regardless of what star you was, when he decided he wanted you to play for the university, you know, Cayman being a three-star, we didn't see any difference in how he treated Cayman versus, you know, four or five-star guys. When we went on recruiting visits, we all sat in a room and I couldn't really tell who was, you know, was ranked, ranked as far as their star ranking. And it's because uh, he and his coaching staff made everyone feel important. So, you know, that had a lot where that, you know, we let Cayman uh, decide where he wanted to go. And I had to keep my mouth shut because I was just, man, bursting with excitement on the inside because, you know, I'm a football fan. I played football and everybody knows who Mac Brown is. And, you know, he's a legend. And I'm like, okay, we need to go with him right now. But I had to suppress those feelings and allow Cayman to um, choose. And when he chose, you know, I was very happy. But, you know, from a parent standpoint, his mom and I, we were very satisfied. And it's because uh, Coach Mac Brown made Cayman feel just as important as any other star or, or five-star kid that was on the roster. So, I mean, that was the deal for us. Yeah, that's the that's the gift we talk about Mac Brown has. Uh, Mr. Conley, talk about the process for your son, um, in-state guy. So, you know, we know mm -hmm. what. Uh, North Carolina means to the in-state guys or most of the in-state guys. How was that process for you guys starting out? Well, well honestly, his um, process started late because his um, freshman and sophomore year, we lived in Washington State. So he wasn't getting looked at by anyone. So then, you know, so he thought he was more a D2, D3 type player. Then I have I got military orders to North Carolina. And I say maybe his second game, he got bumped to a four-star all, all nowhere. So um just the whole process of it, it was kind of crazy because he never been to a camp. Because I really didn't believe in camps really showcase what you can do in the football field. I feel like, you know, the camps are really unfair. If you play cornerback and go against my receiver who know the plays another route there's no way you can defend someone like that or if you're doing some type of cone drill like to me there's no way you got a five yard running lane in between plays so I just feel like the whole camp thing wasn't really realistic so once he got the whole four star start going different different colleges realizing that you know how good he really is it was, it was kind of amazing then once um UNC started getting the picture of talking to all the coaches Coach Bateman, um, Coach Brown, 
you know, it was just the whole sense of, you know, we don't care what store you are, we don't care, you know, what you do. We don't, we don't really see you as a, a four-star, five-star, right. a three-two. We see you as a football player. Mm-hmm. And we really want you, you know, to be here. So just everyone got treated the same. I didn't see they take a group of a, a group of guys, uh, my fault, a group of guys to a different room. Everyone was together the whole time through the whole process. So to me, it was just a, a statement of everyone treated equally. So when you're going through the recruiting process with, with this coaching staff, as well as with, with other teams, how, how does the conversation about playing time come up? Is it, uh, do some people eh, suggest maybe that if you come, you're going to get playing time? Uh, how does North Carolina handle that conversation? And, and what kind of impact does that have on the recruitment? I think in North Carolina, it was more the, the best person play. It wasn't, you know, we guarantee you, you know, you're going to play or you're going to red surgery. It was more of you come in, you perform, you get on the field. And Dr. Rucker, you mentioned Mac Brown kind of being this guy that you knew about. I was able to spend some time with Mac this summer uh, before he was uh, put into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. And one of the things he said that he didn't realize the impact uh, when he got back into coaching but it, the, the Hall of Fame, uh, the National College Football Hall of Fame, the, the impact that had on his ability, not, not just to uh, step in with coaches and get coaches that he wanted, but also when he walked into recruits' homes, kind of the, the, the value that uh, that tag had, the value what his career's brought. How big of an impact was that for, for him to come in and, and say, hey, I'm Mac Brown, you know, I've won a national championship at Texas, I've been in this business for a long time. Uh, what kind of impact was that for your family? That, that was that was huge. I mean, and, and that, like I said, that was one of the most uh, uh, attractive things about him because I knew that he came with a lot of bells and whistles. You know, he came with a, a lot of accolades. And however, he was very humbled when he came to speak to me about my son. And, you know, I've gone on, you know, numerous uh, recruiting visits and, you know, I've heard the talk and you know my discernment bell rings sometimes and I'm like nah this is not the fit I'm not really believing what they say and things of that nature um but when I met Mac Brown I'm not saying that for everyone but you know you you get those conversations but when I met um Mac Brown personally coach Mac Brown personally he was so humble and he didn't have to be and and that's the thing you know usually when someone comes you know, highly touted as, as him. Sometimes you you, you have uh, big personalities, but he was so humble and he just really, he just made um, Cayman, first of all, feel needed. He made him feel wanted. And as a parent, you know, that's where I wanted my son to go. And, you know, I often, you know, he's, I revere him, you know, as like the godfather of football basically so you know i'm kind of smitten by him because of who he is and and knowing who he is and things of that nature so but to see him come with all of this with the humility and and making my son feel like you know we want you to play and i I think uh uh terrell uh, just alluded to that he didn't care what star you was he just knew i wanted this kid to play for my program and he looked at more than just the athlete he knew that, you know, they had an athletic acumen. However, they also looked at, you know, the, the, the um, 
academic part of it, the character part of it, the leadership, you know, that, you know, he could bring. So they looked at the whole picture holistically and to, to make that choice. And so I knew when from the first conversation of speaking with him that, you know, this is where I want my son to go. Coach Glover, welcome. How's it going, gentlemen? What's happening, man? How it's you doing? See, it's good to see everybody up here tonight. I apologize for my, my tardiness, man. I had a consultation with some recruits. Okay. That uh, you are. This comes are, first. Yeah, you are excused from the first <laughs> few minutes of the podcast uh, to do it, to handle that business. Let me ask you the same question I ask uh, them before you got here, the recruiting process. Obviously, Tony's recruitment was – it was different. Um, he was highly recruited, one of the highest recruited kids in the nation, but also um, to jump that senior year is another whole aspect of it. Uh, describe Mac Brown in the process um, from the starting point that you guys met him um, through the commitment, through the decision to, to come on to Carolina, uh, I, guess, I guess it's been a year now, last August, um, early. Describe that for us. Well, um, Coach Mac Brown is one of a kind. He is the most authentic coach I have ever met in my life. Um, he's, he, I mean, he, he's elite, you know, and, and he makes you feel like you are just like him. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? When he talks to you, he makes you feel like you're important. He's, he's not putting on a show. It's not a front. And that's just the type of person that he is. He, he, he makes you feel exactly how he is. He treats you that way. And when we first met, I fell in love with him. Like, I'm, I'm all man, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was like, man, you know, it's something, it's something different about him. You know, mm -hmm. the Bible says that you shall know them by the fruit that they bear. And his, I, I just, our spirits connected. And I saw how he, how he communicated with Tony. You know, and I, I've moved away and watched from afar, and it was just as unbelievable as I've never seen him. We 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 talked to many head coaches, and there are some great ones out there. You know, Coach Franklin's good, Kirby Smart's good. Those guys are really great and authentic. But I've never met anybody like Coach Mac Brown. He and and it just got better. It just got better and better and better. You know, and one of the parents' greatest fears when they're going through the recruiting process is will this stop once they get my kid, you know, um, it's just, it's just, he's putting his best foot forward. And I talked to coach Brown just as much now as I've, I've spoken to him when he was during the recruiting process, you know, we, I mean, it's just as real. It's just as beautiful. My wife fell in love. Me and Tony went down the first two times by ourselves said, we got to take mama back. You know, she went down there, came down there and she fell in love with him. And, um, you know, Dre is Dre. But when you, when you, when you have other support staff, other coaches, Dre Bateman, and these guys are carrying the same authenticity as their head coach, they're bearing the same fruits as their head coach. I mean, it's undeniable, you know, and, and we wanted Tony to be a part of that. You know, Tony wanted to be a part of that. He came into the, uh, the the realization for himself. Me and my wife kind of already knew. Um, he came into it, and and it was just confirmation, man. And it's it's been um, and you know, and it just been great since we've been there. 
Let me ask a question, all three, and I'll start with you, Dr. Rucker. On the last season with all the COVID issues and the difficulties and the bubble and all that stuff, how difficult was it as a parent to um, sort of leave your kid in Chapel Hill and, and go through that process and they're playing football, dealing with all this craziness as a, a, you know, of a pandemic and all that? What was that like being a parent? I know what it was like from a fan standpoint and from covering the team standpoint because I could sit right here and do my job. Uh, but as a parent with a child with skin in the game, oh, yeah. talk about how that last year was. It, it was, uh, it was, uh, it's pretty rough um, because, you know, you know, regardless of Cayman is this, you know, this six, one, six, two, somewhere in there, 260, you know, chiseled kid. He's still my baby, you know, and, and to have him, you know, that was a, a difficult, you know, situation anyway, COVID was. And then to have my son four hours away, um, you know, that was kind of a, a hard pill to swallow, you know, because, you know, I've been with him every day of his life until he went to UNC. And, you know, I'm his protector, you know, I'm his, I'm his pop. And, you know, now he's away from me. And, you know, I, I felt, you know, very uncomfortable for, you know, a short while. Uh, but what made what gave me, you know, solace was Mac Brown, you know, Coach Mac Brown, knowing that he, you know, made me feel comfortable from the beginning and the connection that he had with my wife and I and Cayman. I felt, you know, felt comfortable with Cayman being, you know, away and being with him uh, because, you know, throughout whole COVID, he, he, was, he kept in constant communication with the family. You know, he would reach out, phone calls, uh, whatever it took in order to, you know, make families feel that we're going to take care of your son. And it was evident in, the, in how he took care of it. You know, you, if you look at it, uh, they had a very, you know, low COVID rate, you know, with kids having that, um, going out into the community, making sure that they were wearing a mask and staying away from certain things. And, you know, he inspired the kids to, you know, just adopt or buy in to his philosophy of staying safe um, in this tumultuous type of, of situation that was going on in our society. And because of his leadership and because of his, what I would say, fatherhood, um, the team lined up. And so that made me feel very comfortable, you know, in an uncomfortable situation. Mr. Conley, you feel the same way there? I mean, I know that's, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine turning mine loose. Mine's a freshman up there now, uh, just a regular student. And it's a little bit difficult even now to think about everything they're exposed to. But is is your son's experience pretty similar or the same? Yes, sir. You know, the difference between us is, you know, he was just two hours, two hours away. So if we need to go to Chapel Hill, he need to come home. It's, it's not too far. But with him, I think our biggest um, support was on Coach Bateman. Coach Bateman called me for everything. So, hey, Terrell, you know, I need, I need Jay to come get COVID test. I need Jay go, you know, make sure he's doing his, his, um, his work. So, Coach Bateman kept that whole communication with, with us open, you know. If Jay need to go get tested, Jay need to get classes. If they doing this, they doing that, you know. So, I felt comfortable, you know, we felt comfortable leaving Jay at UNC because of the coaches, you know, they gave me every all the confirmation that we needed that they're going to take care of him. That's right. And then at the same time, he was a roommate with Tony. So, you know, and 
just the friends there, but um, with everyone, they allowed him to be himself and fit in. And the COVID wasn't a big, a big issue because everyone, you know, bought in into the whole, the whole goal. So, obviously, your three sons play on the defensive side of the ball. Mr. Conley, you mentioned Jay Bateman there. I'm just curious how maybe he and Mac differ in their rec- in the way they recruit, just because Mac's kind of pitching the program, how they're going to fit in, and just more bigger picture things. I'm just curious, does Jay get more into nuts and bolts and how fit into the system, or what's his recruiting like compared to Max and all three of you guys' experiences with uh, the defensive coordinator and Tommy Thigpen since they're uh, kind of working together over there? Well, I, I think with um, Coach Bateman, he's more of a, this is what I want, you know, I want you to play defense. This is why I see you doing, you know, outside of college. So to me, he was, he was, he was straightforward also. You know, he let me know everything. He was like, hey, you know, if Jay don't pick, Jay don't pick up his grades, you know, we might start, you know, we might start recruiting him. So we need to, you know, we need to, you know, make sure that we're on the same page with everything. So he never he never allowed me to to think anything different from what he from what he told me. And then we went to the Carolina cookout. Just the whole time, you know, he was there with my family, talking. You know, we were talking. So you know, let introduce me to his family. So he just he brought me in into his life, and he brought Jay, you know, even closer. So I was like, say, I was comfortable leaving Jay right then, right there. So. To me, you know, I love that he went to UNC. Coach Glover, what what was your experience relationship like with with Jay Bateman, especially considering I'm sure you, I mean, you mentioned the amount of coaches you talked with. Just what was different about him and compared to Mac, but also other guys that come in trying to recruit your son and your other players. Um, Jay is dynamite. He he's brilliant. Um, I I would love it when he would call and him and him and Tony would talk ball. <clears throat> Um, he's a brilliant defensive coordinator, you know, um, opened Tony's eyes up to so much, you know, Coach Brown, it was, like you said, more of, you know, the big picture, the 40-year decision, the letting you know that he'll he'll be that father figure, you know what I'm saying? But also, you know what I'm saying, he's a, dis- a disciplinarian, you know, Jay Bateman, he brought, I'm a teacher's son, everything he needs to know about defense, and, you know, Tony's, a, he's a high FBI, you know, his FBI Q is, is, is off the chart. So it was, it was like a perfect match. You know what I'm saying? And he's a hard-nosed coach. I love that. In fact, Mac Brown is a hard-nosed coach also. You know what I'm saying? One, the difference between the two, I think, is Coach Bateman to tell the, the players how he feel. Coach, and then he'll get on the players. But Mac Brown he'll get on the coaches <laughs> to get on the players. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, Dre's different. Dre brought it, you know, that's big brother. That's OG Rude. He, um, he's teaching skill set. He's perfecting his skill set. He's making sure he's in the film room. They all play different parts, but they're all um, important, extremely important. And I, I think that that, that that formula, you know what I'm saying, is that total formula no other school had. No other school had that. You know, you might run into a great head coach, but there's no DB coach there or the DB coach there is suspect. Or you might have a great coach and a good DB coach, but the D coordinator is suspect. I mean, we got all three. You know what I'm saying? We got the the, the, the best, 
DB coach. We got the best uh, defensive coordinator. We got the best head coach. It doesn't get any better than that. Plus, we got the best support staff. You know what I'm saying? We got the best media guys following. I mean, it's just crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's going on at Carolina is 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 unreal. You know, we're we're stomping with the big dogs. Go ahead, Greg. You got a you got a, yeah, a so, lighter side one. Yes. So five of the six of us here are about the same age, guys. I think it's obvious who the young buck is. Um, Tommy's. <laughs> Tommy's got a uh, son in at Carolina right now, and he's got another one in high school. I've got a son in high school. I can only I do imagine. not have a son in high school. Gregory's about twenty five years away from having a son in high school. <laughs> um, I can I know how I am with my son now. I can only imagine if my son was playing college football uh, at a power five school, how often I would uh, chime in, how often I would want to speak with him maybe give him some suggestions, even though I, I may not be the right person to do that. So I'd like to go around the group and just ask, starting with you, Dr. Rucker, how often do you talk to your son? And, and how often do you uh, talk football with him during the course of a season? Uh, we, we, we talk often, you know, uh, and there's no way around a, a football conversation between us two. But, you know, as a, you know, as a coach, as a player, ex-player, former player and a coach, you know, I do understand that, you know, you don't ever want to put your, 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 your players or your kids in a situation to where they're confused. So I never tell them anything that's different from, you know, what's being coached to him there. So I would begin by asking questions, you know, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? You know, you know, on certain plays, are you to drop in the coverage? And, you know, when you lining up, head up, are you reacting or do they have you rushing? And, you know, do they want you to a, a, a shade? Uh, what type of pass rush moves. And so I ask him questions like that to see what he says, because, you know, as a football player, I have, you know, a, a philosophy just as, you know, well as other people. So I don't want to sprinkle my philosophy and, and let it conflict with what the coaches are, you know, are uh, teaching them there. Um, however, so I start off with that. And then once he tells me, you know, I'm going to reinforce what his coaches are saying, just so we can continue to keep football simple, you know, it can be complex, but, you know, one of my favorite quotes comes from Albert Einstein. And, he, and him, of all people, said, in complexity, find simplicity. So I'm about making everything simple. So when we talk and he gives me something, my job as his father and one of his ex-coaches is to try to simplify the process. You know, you know, make sure you do this, you know, different reads and things, you know, even tackles. I mean, you know, when you're going at tackles, there's different um strategies on tackling but you know nothing changes when it comes to tackling in my opinion because your focus should be on the hips anyway because the hips don't move look at something that's stationary don't look at the hands don't look at the feet don't look at the, the head you know look at the hips when you're making the tackle you know those type of things that are very as very simple rules in football and so we talk about those simple rules and i think if you can take you know you're going to be processing that on the run when you're on the field but if you can take a lot of the guessing out, you're going to take a lot of the confusion out, which you're going to get the best out of your player when they don't have to think so much in the moment. So, you know, we talk a little bit about that, taking something that's very difficult, a concept that's difficult, and finding a simple solution. Because in the game, uh, for, for an example, when we were in Virginia Tech, it was loud. You know, you can't hear, you can't see sometimes. But you get the call. 
you line up, and guess what, man? You, you're a football player. You can figure it out because you may not hear the call. You may not, you know, your linebacker may not get the adjustment, but if you line up in certain situations, if you line up to a shade outside of the tackle, then, and if it's third down, then you know you got to put on a pass rush, right? You didn't hear anything, but you know what you got to do in third down. So it's different things like that, just taking hard hard concepts and making them simple so you can be highly effective. That's our conversations. Yeah, a former North Carolina defensive coordinator talked a lot about uh, paralysis by analysis. That's right. Uh, and uh, Mac Brown, I thought, said it well last week in, in preparation for Virginia. He said, we could talk about all the different things they do, but at the end of the day, the ball's going to be snapped. That's right. It's, it's either going to be a pass or a run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and go make a play. Uh, Mr. Conley, what, what's your conversations like with uh, Curious? Um, so we don't really talk about football that much, you know, because I try to let the coaches, you know, be the coaches. You know, what I mean, I might, I might see him like a a motivation video the day before the game, but I try not to get too much into it because, man, I play football, I play offense, so I can't really teach him any defense stuff. I can only teach him maybe the, the lineups or the wide receivers. We might know what like what route they running, but. Just the whole defense part, I can't teach because I didn't play defense. So I just try to, you know, let, you know, coaches be the coach and just, you know, I'll just be the dad. You know, um, if he if he asks for some type of um, advice, I try, you know, like last year. Okay, so we were looking at, I tried helping with the film against Virginia Tech, you know, just uh, like which lineman, poor, which, which, like, which lineman is the best, like, like different techniques that linemen do. I try to break that stuff down, but that's that's really it, you know. Like I said, I try to try to be a, a dad and be a fan. Is, is so there I don't any, really try. Is there something other than football that that bonds you two together that y'all can talk about? Just everything else, yeah. just the whole life, you know, life aspect, you know, you know, family and friends, and just you know the whole whole maturity level. Yeah, family. Mr. Glover, how about you? Uh, we, 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 we talk about everything. Um, we, we talk frequently. We talk every day. Um, and, I mean, any, we, we talk about any and everything. We, we definitely always talk ball, you know, here, you know, sometimes the first time, I mean, right after the game, our conversation be ball, you know, you know, and it's, it's been like that because I've been, as, I've been, as, I've been a high school coach. So it's just a part of us. You know what I'm saying? It's something talking football is something is that's ingrained in us. Um, we, we talk about plans for the future. Uh, <laughs> you know, we see still run practical jokes on us. Just, just, <laughs> just to fall in some relationship. You know what I'm saying? We talk about, Oh, pop, don't forget to pay my cell phone bill. <laughs> that's know? important. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, I'm treating your mama to dinner tonight. You know what I'm saying? Check your cash app. It's just, we talk about so many different things, you know, it's just who we are, you know, as, as father and son, but um, we definitely talk ball. That's something, cause I talk, I talk to Dre all the time. I talk to coach Dre all the time. So, you know, and, and me and him, it's like, we'd be on the same page. You know, he's a DB guy, I'm a DB guy. So that's why the match was so really, so, so good because 
you know, me as a dad was trying to figure out what type of techniques, what kind of skill set. You know, I know he was a great player, but can he coach my son? You know what I'm saying? And when we started talking, everything just was flowing between us. So I was like, oh, man, he's a perfect match. So I know he's going to teach my son the right stuff. You know what I'm saying? He's going to teach him all the tricks of the trade. And then me and Dre even talked after the game. We, we talked today about, you know, what, what, what I thought, you know, good and bad about this Tony's performance this weekend, you know, and we, we literally was on the same page, you know? So, I mean, we have a, a, a lot of different conversations, you know, and it's, you know, it's just father and son stuff. Let, let me follow there and I'll start with you, Mr. Glover again. How, how tough is it just to be a dad sometimes and watch in the stands? How hard is that? Especially when you see what's going on against Virginia, they're Brennan Armstrong's throwing for 500 yards um, you see things maybe the normal fan doesn't see. I mean, how tough is it to be a dad watching your son play for North Carolina? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not tough. Sometimes <laughs> you get <laughs> sometimes you get into a, a, a protective mode. You know what I'm saying? Because, um, you know, while we're watching the game, I'm very active on social media. So, you know, sometimes – You don't say. Virginia, <laughs> sometimes Virginia fans, you know, they say – they say slick stuff like, oh, he should have stayed at Virginia. Uh, you know, he gave up a touchdown 11 seconds before the half. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, it gets underneath your skin. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times people don't, they don't, they don't have, they don't understand that, you know, that it, number one, defensive back is a very hard position to play. I think it's one of the hardest on the field. You know, you got to read and react to everything. The receivers know where they're going. The quarterback know where the ball is going. The DBs don't know. So they got to read and react to everything, you know what I'm saying? And and sometimes you want to protect and you want to you want you you want to kind of stand up for your son and but you got to keep you cool and and you know and just be a fan that day, <laughs> just kind of support them, you know, and um and talk about the rest later, you know. Like my conversation with Tony was, um, hey, you know, it's 11 seconds, man. You know, your job is to stop them from going in the end zone, you know. You know, he fell for the double move. Um, he didn't. He didn't. He, didn't, he should have kept his leverage, and he would have been cool. You know, but he came out second half, had a stellar performance in the second half, and um, I, I thought it was cool. You know, but um, it's it, it can it 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 can kind of bounce around a little bit there. You know, my hats. You know, the father hat, the the, the fan hat. You know, the coach hat. You know, I'm I'm juggling them things, man, in the stands. <laughs> I can, I can imagine uh, Terrell watching uh, Jay play and seeing him get injured and things like that, making a great interception. I mean, how how is it like just being a dad? You mentioned it earlier that that's what you just try to do is be the dad, but it's got to be so tough sometimes. Oh, that part, yeah, it's tough because I try – because me, I'm like – I'm not really an emotional person. So, like, I mean, first interception against Virginia, Virginia Tech, like, I won't – you know, to me, I won't smile – but I couldn't, you know, I won't show my emotion. I won't, I won't show holler, but I couldn't. But at the same time, people, you know, fans come to me, you know, taking my hand, giving me hugs. Yeah, Jay, Jay this, <laughs> Sub-Zero. I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, to me, it's like, it's kind of like, it was hard to break out that shell. But then when he got hurt against Georgia State, the, the dad came out like, you know, well, you know, can I go to the field? Can I go talk to him? You know the coaches, the, you can't be um, the that American guy, staff. Man. Hey, I, I was, I was trying to. 
<laughs> you know, the, the, med, the, um, the medical staff texts me, you know, hey, this is what happened. I'm texting back, you know, is he okay? Or, you know, he can't go back in, you know, hey, make sure that. But like I say, you know, I try to just be a fan of the sport, but at the same time, it's still kind of hard, you know, when your son, you know, when your child is playing, it's like my whole, my whole focus is only on him. So I don't even see the play most of the time. Okay, like what, what Jay doing? Or, you know, oh, Jay, Jay missed, Jay missed a tiger. You know, Jay made this tiger. So it's like, you know, one moment I'm just all hyped. Then this moment, like, okay, get back, get back down, you know, relax, let the game, watch the game and just be a fan. So. You, you know what's, you know what's funny? When JQ, when he got the interception, we was yelling, Terrell, Terrell. He just was as cool. <laughs> he was sitting there. <laughs> Let's go, let's go. He was just as cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, man, like, cause it's hard for me to show my emotions like that, you know, cause you know, it just it's just hard. That's uh, that's funny. Well, he he, the the play against Virginia too was a ridiculous one. Dr. Rucker, on. I mean, he's making a catch with yeah. one hand. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Rucker, you seem like the uh, calm, cool one of the bunch. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm not. A actually, I was going to speak to that, and so Dion Hush over there, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I sat next to uh, um, Coach Glover the other night, man, and and and, and boy, we had a good time. That you know, we did, to say the least. We had a good time, but you know, I got like this 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 thing now, man. I'm I'm kind of this, you know, I try to have this introspect where I look at myself and see how I grow. Uh, but I'm kind of caught between a couple of personalities, you know, and I'm transitioning. So I have this coach side and then I have this father side and they're at war a lot of times while I'm sitting there. That's what makes it tough. You know, I'm um, being, you know, like, man, you shouldn't have done this. God, I'm out of, what are you doing? And then on the other side, you know, I'm like, yay, came man, you did a great job. So, but I will say I'm transitioning. I think I'm, I am, I'm closer to being that fan versus, you know, being that coach. And one thing that I teach Cayman a lot is, you know, stay in the moment, you know, stay in the moment of football. Don't worry about what happened, what's going to happen. Stay in the moment of the players. So with that, with that advice, I give him, I have to give it to myself as a father. I got to stay in that moment and not uh, spoil that moment worrying about X's and O's. What is he doing right or wrong, but just being that encouraging, supporting him and yelling. So that's what Dion is laughing about actually Cause when, you know, when he made a great play, you know, I wasn't coach, you know, I wasn't analytical, you know, I jumped up and I was yeah. grabbing my shirt, my hat flying all fist pumping loud, you know, and yeah. you know, I just, I had a great time. And then I've discovered that you have a lot more fun being a fan than being a coach yeah. in the stand. So, yes. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going with that feeling right there. So I think I'm more, of a fan now. So, and I think I like that a whole lot better than being a coach in the stand. Let me, uh, Greg's got a great one coming up, but let me just restate what you just said. And this will help a lot of fans in the stand. It is a lot more fun being a fan in the stands right. than a That's coach it. in the that stand. That rhymes, man. Yeah. No fans, yeah. all fans, no <laughs> coaches should, in the we stand. Should pin that on the I'm message. More fun being a fan in the stand. Put it on a t shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go ahead, Greg. So I'm I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. So whoever wants to take this, uh, have at it. But uh, the conversation in college football for the last, I mean, 
40 years, it seems like, uh, has been about name, image, and likeness. Um, and coaches have these uh, exorbitant salaries. Uh, these schools are building cathedrals, and yet the players are playing just for scholarship money. And I know over the last couple of years, you've gotten cost of attendance and you've seen some improvement in that regard. But finally, this offseason, we have a breakthrough and, and uh, student athletes are finally able to take advantage of their name, image and likeness. Uh, just curious as to your overall thoughts, um, you, how that benefits uh, your sons potentially, and if that's a good thing for the sport moving forward. I think it's a great thing for the sport, you know, I, I and, and I'm just going to give you a, the first time I heard this story, you know, back in the day when Michigan had the five, the fab five. And I just remember a story with Chris Weber, you know, he said, you know, he was walking in Michigan one day and he, he didn't have two nickels to rub together and he was walking down the sidewalk and he happened to pass the strip mall of this store. And, you know, he was hungry. And he just happened to look in the window and his jersey was the number one jersey being sold. And there was other, you know, brand companies out there making a lot of money off his name, image and likeness. But he couldn't even buy anything to eat. And he was this, you know, top, you know, elite uh, um, college basketball player at the time. And, you know, and even then, you know, I felt like it was unfair, you know, uh, that, you know, and, and it was, um, in my opinion, I, I'm not going to say unethical, but it's, it's kind of treading on that because everybody else has the opportunity to make money except for athletes. And that wasn't right. So, you know, I am uh, I'm in support of that, you know, being an ex-college football player myself, not having money and calling home and getting it and, and things of that nature. So, you know, in my opinion, I'm like, you know, I'm glad it's here. It's, it's, it's taken long enough, you know, but I, I think it's a positive thing for, you know, the athletes to, you know, partake in that because they are building a brand, you know, and they are the brand. It's certain kids. I remember this movie program back in the day and this coach said, no. FSU, baby. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's the program and it's no negative, I guess, uh, point at academics because academics is everything. Uh, but he said that coach in that movie said no one comes and fill up stadiums to watch a science project. They're coming to watch football. They're coming to watch these athletes. So these athletes are what put fans in the seat. So uh, that's my point to NIL. If they're putting fans in the seats and they are making money, they should, they're entitled to make money from that, you know, from their own name, image, and likeness. So, you know, I'm all for it, you know, and I think it's benefiting. And I know with my son, you know, he started and he's been in position. And when it came out, we were able to take advantage of it. And, you know, we're not in it for just trying to get rich or anything. But I mean, you know, it's it's his image that he's making and he should be compensated for it, just like any other uh, student athlete that's out there. So I happen to agree. A lot of people try to dodge this conversation and don't want to talk about it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed. I would talk to anybody about it. Uh, you have people with strong opinions, you know, you know, for or against it, but I am totally for it and I'm glad it's here. Yeah. Mr. Conley, you know, here. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry, you know, I agree also because uh, you know, life after college is not guaranteed, you know, football is not guaranteed after college. So you got the opportunity now to make money off of your image. Why not? Because 
prime example is look at P, look at P Award. After mm-hmm. he left Florida State, ugh, on like a couple years in the pros. But imagine if yeah. it got started when he was in college. Yeah. You know, it would just it would be it would be crazy, you know, crazy opportunity he would have. And you know, even though it, it took so long to happen, you know, I'm so I'm happy they finally, you know, did happen, you know, it happened now. So kids can, you know, get paid off of their name because if cause because college don't get paid no matter what. You know, they gonna they gonna put money to different programs and you know different buildings. Uh, they gonna hire just hire a new coach who who can up and leave the, the next day. So it's like why not you know pay the the um the athletes also who making the coach look good. You know so if if the athletes is if the team sorry you can't pay the coach. So if your if your athletes doing enough for the head coaches, I feel like they should get paid also. Yep, definitely. Glover, I, I know that you've got some strong opinions on this. I wanted to ask you those opinions, but also let's talk about the shirts and the, the logos and how they all came about. And I'd like to get it from all of you guys. Go ahead, Mr. Glover. Well, I'm I'm what did it for me is I I mean, when you sit back and you watch students at any university all over the country they can they can get a job they can go and get a degree they can become a veterinarian while they were in school they can start a dog walking business or they can any business they want and make money but when it came to the athletes the athletes couldn't make anything ncaa would punish them you know shut them down they couldn't start youtube channels they couldn't get jobs and make you know, and support themselves. I mean, it's expensive to be in college. Even with cost of attendance, Tony lives off campus. I mean, you know, you're talking $1,500 rent. You know what I'm saying? Where he lives at. Um, we're talking automotive bills. We're talking food. And I mean, it's just not enough. So if you don't have parents that, you know, that have done, you know, well for themselves to help offset that cost, the, the, the college students are going to suffer. You know what I'm saying? And in Jameis Winston case, you know, he went and stole some food, you know, and, and, and everybody ridiculed him. But I mean, I, I get it. You're stealing steak or shrimp or whatever it is. You could have stole some bologna, but crab legs, crab legs, even though I'm not sure he stole them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever stole the food. I mean, a college athlete, a superstar college athlete has no business stealing food even getting to that point, you know, so I'm all for it, you know, and, um, you know, when we got wind that it was going to come, you know, I've been, you know, kind of had my ears, you know, to the ground on it. And I, we had a plan. We had devised a plan. I told Tony, we're going to incorporate as soon as it becomes legal, we're going we're gonna to incorporate, you know, we're going to incorporate TG20. Um, I reached out to some logo design companies and um, got, we got the TG20 shirt with his silhouette in the middle of it. And, um, you know, when, when they came through with it, we started approaching some businesses, you know. I, Tony didn't have time to do it himself. I mean, he's worried about football and academics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he don't know about the taxes. And he there's some things that he just don't know, you know. And I thought it was a can of worms at first because I said, man, a lot of athletes are going to be taken because it's going to be a whole lot of predators out there getting athletes to sign into marketing deals and they're not going to fully read the contracts or have time to send them to lawyers and so the attorneys can go over them and they're going to get 
trapped and sucked into stuff and, and it's going to be bad, you know? So I kind of started speaking out against it, you know? And, um, you know, we ourselves, it took a long time for us to sign, you know? I mean, there was a lot of deal, bad deals that came my way, you know, and I had to turn them down, you know, because um, I don't want to weaken his brand, me and his mom, you know, we're, we're very, very diligent with it. You know, we're going to handpick some of the deals. You know, we presented to Tony and tell Tony what's going on with it. And um, and then, you know, we have attorneys look over the paperwork and then we go from there. But I think um, I think every athlete should get paid. And it's not just about Tony. If I could find a deal for Ruck, if I could find a deal for, for Conley, if whatever I can do to make sure these guys are eating just like my son's eating, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure they'll do the same, vice versa. That's what we're going to do. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. We're trying to make as much money as we can. We ain't trying to get rich, but we're trying to make some money. Now is the time to make money. Why not maximize that time? You know what I'm saying? I'm We're we going to go. We gonna, we going for the bag, baby. <laughs> there ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, Conley, Listen, we... This is the funny part about it, though. <laughs> Look. All these schools usually, I mean, everybody knows what the schools are doing, these elite programs. You know, they've been doing it for years, you know, and now you can do it legally. You know what I'm saying? You can actually, you can actually give a kid $300,000, $500,000 on top of the table in front of everybody for the world to see and say, well, I, I'm just going to get you to endorse a couple of Wendy's or a couple of Jersey Mike's for me. You know what I'm saying? You got kids walking in the programs right now with million dollar deals and they never even touched the field. It's legal now. So why not do it? Why not capitalize on it? Take advantage uh, of it. hundred percent agree from the player standpoint. I don't know where it ends or how they rein it in or what they do. I don't think the NCAA ever thought about that side of it, but I a hundred percent agree. You think the NCAA paid, thinks about anything. Yeah, really? We can talk about that. But why, yeah, but why do they need to rein it in? That's the thing. They don't. I don't. Right. No, well, that's a that's a deeper question. I mean, because Alabama, Carolina, schools like that. I mean, how much is a uh, how much is Wake Forest going to pay somebody? You know what I mean? Th- but why do they need to even the playing field? I don't know. I Isn't don't that know. just capitalism? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that they need to even the playing field. You guys can see what's going on right now. Yeah. I mean over 13,000 people in the transfer portal, I think that football is, 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 is you know, even without the, the bags being thrown around, you know, football is becoming competitive now. You see a lot yeah. of G5 programs moving up in the ranks. Yeah. And that's because of the portal. Yeah, so. I agree. Maybe they don't just pay everybody. I Look, if I was in those shoes, I'd be trying to get paid every second. Conley, what about uh, – I have to give you credit now. I kind of dig the Sub-Zero – Nickname, because yes. I'm I'm thinking it reminds me of Mortal Kombat back in the day, <laughs> right? But uh, tell us about Jacurius's journey there. Well, I think the whole um name, you know, with him, he's trying to take everything slow. You know, we, we focus on you know, let slow it happens, it gonna happen. You know, we're not really pushing anything right now, but we do got something in the works. But just like I said, they're trying to take everything slow. You know. Because it's all new, bro. like you know, like Coach Glover said, you know, we don't want to make the wrong deal, and then he be stuck with a contract. Well, we you know it gonna mess up his image. So we just try to find the the right one for him that will actually get him help his image out even more. And with the whole zero, our uh, whole sub zero thing was, he you know he initially wanted number six, 
So number six was taken by somebody else. So the it was options was number number zero or um, another off off number. So at first they called him Agent Zero. You know he didn't too much care for it. Then he he realized you know more combat. You know he loved playing more combat because he was younger. And UNC colors all blue. So it's just everything just fit in you know together. The whole Sub Zero you know UNC colors. It just it just stuck. So if more combat want to make that deal. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Where, where's my no Mortal Kombat link? Yeah, really. We I will no say this. Yeah. Wait a minute. Is that Capcom? I used to know someone that worked for Capcom. Uh, I probably was playing that Mortal Kombat game before the, y'all's boys were even born, which is well, I know I was actually. Whew. I mean, so, you were yeah. born in like 1933. <laughs> oh, Doctor Doc Rucker, the, uh, the the butcher. Tell us about it. Yeah, man. Uh, you know we. Because he was a three-star, you know, he wasn't highly tired coming out of high school. So we had to take a, you know, a different approach. You know, it was, you know, he didn't come to where, you know, when he showed up, you know, people was already, you know, raving about him and things of that nature. So, you know, you know, like Terrell said, we had to kind of take it slow, but, you know, we knew that this was coming. And like Coach Glover said, you know, we wanted Cayman to concentrate on being an athlete. Well, excuse me, student athlete, making sure he takes care of that, you know, responsibility and not have to worry about uh, adulting yet, you know. So, you know, we, we've we um, created a team, you know, his mother and, and me and, and him. And, and, you know, we, you know, we all conversate and communicate, you know, on a constant basis about, you know, certain changes. But our approach had to be positioning. You know, we knew that he was going to do something, but we allowed it to happen, um, you know, I would say authentically, if you will, uh, where the butcher came about. So we were about positioning and then conquering because him being a three-star, the butcher actually comes from his story. And it's, and it's two stories how it works because all of this goes back to high school. You know, he was a kid that, you know, like he was slightly short, you know, as far as playing defensive end when he went to camps and things. And the reason we went to camps is, we're from a rural area and a lot of times you don't get that exposure. And so, you know, I know, okay, well, if you want to be seen, you got to go where the dogs are and you got to beat them because people are going to be there. So where we live, you know, we're halfway from Atlanta and we're halfway from Charlotte. So let's go to some camps out there. Let's, you know, get invited to some Nike camps. Let's go to some MVP camps. People are going to be watching. And when you get there, you conquer, you dominate, and then you're going to get calls. And, you know, for us, going to those exposure camps were helpful because of the area that we live in. But, you know, how it came about is, you know, we love the Lord first and, and foremost. And so came in when he grew up, he was drawn by the story of David and Goliath. You know, he, he just loved that, that story. Didn't know that it was going to play into his own life. And as you look at David, he's a uh, um, undersized, you know, he was, out in the uh, pasture with, with, the, with the sheep and, you know, all his brothers and all these leaders, you know, they were fighting Goliath because, you know, they looked the part, you know, they had the size, they had the, 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 the I guess, the um, experience and they had the reputation in order to take care of it. But when he came about, nobody took him seriously, but see, he had the heart and because of his heart and his relationship 
uh, with God, he was able to conquer the giant because he had this confidence, not in himself, but he had confidence in God that, you know, he can defeat Goliath. So taking that story and bringing it to Cayman, when Cayman went to these camps, yes, he was on the sides. And when he actually played football, he went against some bigger guys and he would just, he would slice them up. You know, I'm not ashamed to say the kid, you know, he, you can see how he plays. He plays with a lot of passion. He plays with a lot of aggression. And that's because of that's who he is. You know, he was born with that and he uses that and he would just overcome. And when he overcame, he was still told, you're too short. Uh, you may not get there. He went to a Clemson camp. Now, this is pretty cool. He went to Clemson camp and demolished every five-star that got in his face. Demolished them. So. You won't drop any now, names, I, will you? I'm not going to give any names, but I will drop Off air, off air. You know, I know, I know they probably tune in, but, you know, you know, I got some connections. <clears throat> but I was told, you know, if he was 6'4", they would offer him today. I said, I kind of figured that. But they want to see how he grows in the next year or two. Okay. He's probably not going to grow. Uh, so that's fine. So they never offered him, but that's just Clemson. And, you know, he did that at other schools and, and things of that nature. Um, but he was always told he was too short. And so he's always having to prove himself, um, overcome his giants. So that's that became, you know, his whole mantra is, you know, slaying his giants. And so – um, that's not just opponents, but just overcoming uh, people not thinking that he's able to do it. You know, he's to this and he's to that. He's not ready. So he's always been accustomed to doing that. So fast forward, you know, to North Carolina. Um, he was in a game. I don't know if it was Boston or Syracuse or something like that. And this whole butcher thing came out by ABC commutator saying that, you know, they talked to one of the coaches and the coaches said he was like a uh, rolling ball of butcher knives on national television. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> All right. So I talked to a good friend of mine and we were just talking and everything. And my friend said, Oh, I guess. And he was saying it jokingly, I guess we'll just call him the butcher. And I said, I'm okay. I started laughing. And he said, man, I'm just playing. I said, well, I'm not. Okay. And so, you know, we talked to Cayman about it and Cayman said, yeah, I kind of like that and everything. But the whole butcher thing connected with the David and Goliath story, because what did he do? He cut Goliath's head off with a sword. Okay. So he sliced it off and that's how he's, he overcame, you know, that opposition. So now we take that whole concept with us on the field, whatever opposition that we face, we're going to conquer it. Whatever opposition that we face in life, we're going to conquer it. So it's not just a football uh, 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 mentality. It's a life mentality. So we wanted his brand to represent who he was. And so we looked at the name, image, and likeness. So that's why we got the silhouette of him, because we didn't want to fabricate an image. You are the image, Kevin. You know, you're the guy. You know, nothing else. So we're not going to go out and get an animal. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're not going to go get out and try to create something. God made you in his image. So that's what we're going to use. We're going to use your image. And so that's why he's sitting there. And so that's where the butcher comes from. So we're positioning ourselves right now because when he does, he's going to be this kid. I'm his champion. And I know what he's going to do because he's done it his whole life. Given an opportunity, he's going to win. Uh, and that's just how he is. And, and now, you know, he's starting to show 
despite how tall or how short or how whatever he is, he's a ball player, you know, and he's going to show the world that. So we just had to get ourselves in a position. And then once he and Matt Brown said this, this image and this likeness and all of this, he's all of this. I'm not going to do anything if you cannot, if you can't back it up on the field. So you can be spinning your wheels with that. So at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So, and I think that, you know, the coaches continue to give him opportunity to get plays in the play. He's going to continue to show people, you know, that he is a ball player despite his size. Man, that's a great. That was that was very long, but I'm sorry. I just had to do. No, I could sit in the pew <laughs> yeah, and listen yep. to you all day. Uh, that was a fascinating listen. I appreciate you sharing it. I hope I hope Thank a you. lot of people listened uh, intently to it. I, I got, want to ask. Speaking of people listening, we got someone constantly in the chat just yelling, "Preach, big ruck, preach." <laughs> let Let me ask. I'm gonna let Gregory and Greg close the show with some relevant stuff. But I want to ask you guys. One last question to ask about how tough it was to be a dad of a college athlete. Uh, Mr. Glover, I'll start with you. What's it like being the dad of a college athlete in this social media world? Because we know, and look, it happens every day. People, it's happening in our YouTube chat where people are posting questions under somebody else's name or saying things under somebody else's name or behind a keyboard. What's it like dealing with that from a father standpoint wow um being that i'm on social media all the time um it's hard it's very hard because it it actually it pushes buttons in you that that i mean you would normally not have to deal with you know through through the course of a day you know like like you know like dr rucker was saying earlier you know that's that's still my boy that's my boy you know what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, I feel like at that point he's defenseless. He can't defend himself. So I'm a defender. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a be the defend. I'm his protector. I'm a protector. You know? And then, but I gotta be careful because although I'm his dad, I, I, I do a lot of recruiting, you know, for a lot of athletes around the country. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of prominent people follow me. I don't want to embarrass my family, myself, my son, and I don't want to embarrass the program. And I certainly don't want to bring a reproach on God. You know what I'm saying? So I got to restrain myself most of the time. You know, sometimes you'll, 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 you'll see things slip out, you know, not too bad, but you, it, it's hard. You, people can be brutal. Fans can be brutal of athletes. You know what I'm saying? And they need to be reminded that these guys are 17, 18, 19 years old. I mean, come on. NFL players get millions of dollars. They make, they, they, you know what I'm saying? Things just don't work out. You know, they're still learning the game. They're, they're still getting better. And you see NFL players make mistakes. You know what I'm saying? That's that's one thing. But when you see college kids make mistakes, you, you got you to gotta be flexible and lenient and understanding. You know what I'm saying? And people can't separate. Oh, he's supposed to be a star. He shouldn't be doing that. You know, I see people turn on Sam Howe so fast and I can't believe it. You know what I'm saying? When he's on, they, oh, and, they, and you know, he throws an interception and he spaz out. I mean, when when you have that type of mindset for someone else, I could only imagine what your life is. So, 
You know what I'm saying? So it, it drives me crazy, but I try to be cool about it, you know? Mr. Conley, you're very active on yeah. the Inside Carolina boards. I Obviously, people I love your presence on there, but just what's your interaction on there and just reading some positive, but also a lot of negative things that are said about the team and just your son and just players in general? Well, my just how I look, I look at it as most of the guys on there probably never played sports. Uh, most of them probably, you know, 25 and younger. Um, I'm 40, so it's like, uh, what do I look like fussing, going back and forth with someone who half my age? And probably someone who never, you know, who, you know, who never played the sport. So it's like, but I do read every comment, you know, just see what they say. You know, just like, just poke the bear, hey, I'm here. So it makes you say nothing too crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, just, I, just that's what I do. I, I try to, you know, let them know, hey, I'm here. So, you know, you want nothing, they won't say nothing all, all the way. But then at the same time, I try to be a fan, you know, like I can tell my son, hey, you messed up, you did XYZ. Maybe that's how you need to do this instead. So I don't want the I don't want a fan to feel like they have all the power, you know, to say this about my son. No, that's not the case. Because same thing you telling him, I can tell him. You know, I'm not gonna say how you say it. You know, you're not gonna listen to you, you're gonna listen to me. So I did try to try to stay um level-headed um on inside, you know, inside Carolina, just so like I said, you know, I get my advice. I see, I see what I see, you know, I can explain maybe Coach Damien doing he played this defense because of because of this. Or maybe the defense line not not getting enough push because of because of this. Or so I, I I try to stay even even kill, and not let anyone not allow anyone to dictate, you know how I feel about just a conversation or they or they write in because fans are fans. Fans gonna say, fans are one minute, yeah, you know we winning, the next minute, oh y'all suck, then back to you winning. So you can't you can't please fans, no matter how, how you look at it, and it doesn't matter how a fan feel. It doesn't dictate what happened on, on the field. So that's how I look at it. You know, you can say, uh, you know, Coach Longo, he needs to do this place. But, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, what we say, he going to call his own plays. He going to do what he want to do, you know, during the first half and second half. So I just try to let a fan, to let fans be the fans. Because you can't you can't please no one, and you can't try pleasing the one. So sometimes to me it's funny. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, mm-hmm. you know. So they're like, you know, if I was playing, I would do this. Uh, probably not. But okay. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you're making that interception like he did against Virginia <laughs> Tech. I don't know right, about. So. I don't know about that. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was on his back. Like, oh, that that play yeah, was so. impressive. And Dr. And Rucker, could, what's yeah, there it goes. Yeah, Just ask what your gonna, take was. I was gonna add um in, in to uh uh Mr. Conley, he you know, he he was he introduced me to the message board and he you know he got on and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll jump in and, and everything. You know, it's my first rodeo. I mean, let me see what's going on. But then, you know, I became a little bit of you know, like Dion over there, man. I, I see some of the stuff and then I was like, look, 
I get protective. And then you know, my my wife, you know, she is my she's my uh that 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 she calms me. I'll put it that way. No, <laughs> you can't do that, you can't say that. And then I'm like, okay. And then I say, I think it's best for me to kind of fall back, kind of just a little bit. <laughs> Until I kind of get used to the thing, because you know, I think I might might you know throw something out there that that shouldn't be out there and things of that nature. So I know myself, so I kind of falling back, and I just stay on Twitter and you know I post things every once in a while. But you know I might come back to it, kind So I didn't like abandon you or anything. So I, I'm with you, my brother. Gotcha. But you know, <laughs> not right now. You know, I, I, you know how the old saints say, I got to get my life right. I have, I have, right, to, I have right. to kind of get myself together before I jump back in, but. Um, yeah, social media, not just for me, but for Cayman, you know, I am glad that, you know, he's on social media, but he, he told me he tries to stay off of it a lot because I think he's a little bit like me, you know, what people, you know, we are, we're, we're, we're not being honest when we say words don't hurt. That's one of the biggest lies I've ever heard. You know, that little saying, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you you know that's a lie you know that type of stuff it gets in you know it kind of creeps in and and when it gets in it kind of festers so you know when you know that certain things you know uh, affect you in a negative way you just have to make that decision to kind of stay away from it and you know that's one of the things that I talked to him about and he talked to me about it too you know he's like you know I just kind of stay away because I don't want to hear anybody say anything negative about me because it, it, you know, it upsets me. So, and I told him I, I, that was a very mature thing to do is to stay away from certain platforms. And so he likes Instagram and things of that nature. So, and I'm happy that he's doing that, but it is very hard because, you know, back when we came up, you know, and, and uh, Gregory, I'm not going to tease you like your buddies, but, you know, back when we, you know, the older guys when we came up, we just didn't have these distractions like this, you know, you know, it was more social with each other but not on social media. And you had to go out there to, to, to get involved with certain things. You had to make an effort. Social media, you can sit in your house and, and practically do and say anything that your heart and your mind desires. And so with all of this, you know, negative information that's steadily coming in, you know, we have to be very careful what we let in our ears and our hearts and everything. So, you know, as a father, that's, that's concerning to me. You know, I know what my son says, but I know certain things kind of fly by it and he may entertain that. So that's a part of our conversation is, you know, be very leery of what you let in your ears, because what you let in your ears can get in your heart and it can change you. So if you know yourself, stay away from it. Yeah, Did you guys have that? to talk smack via carrier pigeon back then? Was no, that? back back in the day, if you were going to talk smack to somebody, you had to do it to the yeah, face. Yeah, you had to meet them somewhere, you yeah. know. <laughs> Hey, if you, you yelled uh, you suck, you couldn't do it from a keyboard. You had to do it where they could hear you. And then or you could get the, get the emergency bag phone out of the <laughs> trunk that was three minutes or three dollars per minute to make a phone yeah. call. Uh, all right. Well, hey, we, we've kept I'm you guys. Yeah, we, we've kept you guys for a long time, but I'd be remiss if we, we let you out of here without asking a football question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my. Uh, my take on, on the defense uh, at this point in time, and then I'm going to let you guys have the floor and you can tell me how wrong I am. If you so choose, um, I'm really of the opinion that we knew this was going to be a building process for this defense uh, dating back several years when Mac Brown came in. And I think if you look at the construction of this defense, uh, 
uh, a lot of the strong talent is in the underclassmen uh, years. Uh, each of your sons are, are in those underclassmen groups. And I think as the, that young talent starts to develop, gets more playing time, understand what it takes at this level, you will see the quality of this defense take significant steps forward. I'm not sure the defense is quite there yet. And so what happened on Saturday night is going to happen, where Jay Bateman admitted Monday, uh, we couldn't stop anything last year. So we wanted to at least stop something this year. And he had the, the scheme in place and had the players in place to at least take away the run. And North Carolina was able to, to win by 20, even though Brennan Armstrong threw for uh, the most yards ever against North Carolina. So I think, I think this defense will continue to get better as the year goes along because a lot of those younger guys will really start to step up. Um, I think part of the issue Saturday night was there, you know, Tamon Fox, Cayman Rucker, really the primary guys able to get generate a pass rush. And without a pass rush, it, it kind of looked bad on the secondary with, with you know Conley back there and Grimes and Michael and those guys. And so as those things are addressed and those guys get more playing time, the defense will get better, um, and hopefully by the end of the year, the defense has made significant strides, and when you pair that with Sam Howell and that offense, now we're talking. Um, that's my take on the defense. I want to get your take on the defense. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm, I'm used to it on the message boards. Uh, but Coach Glover, we'll start with you. Well, um, I think one thing to remember is this. This is the same defense last year that played in the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. Same exact defense. You know what I'm saying? We might have a couple of pieces moved around, but this is the same exact defense that played extremely well against a team that should have been in the college football playoffs, you know, and was in the game all the way up until, what, three minutes left in the fourth quarter, I think it was? Yep. Could have won the game. Could have won the game. So um, I I, I think that, you know, from year to year, schemes are going to change. Um, they're getting better every day. They're learning different techniques. They're getting better. I think in, in the next game or two, I mean, I think the, the team is going to start playing stellar defense. I mean, Jay Bateman, he, I mean, last last week against uh, Georgia State, um, uh, what, what, when they came out the second half, his second half adjustments are off the charts. What, what did they up last week? Uh, what, 68 yards, or it was against Virginia Tech, it was 68 yards of field goal against Virginia Tech in the second half, uh, against Virginia, what was it in the second half, a touchdown? and 11 and, points, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, so the adjustments are there. I just think that it's, it's some immaturity. You know, the guys are young, but it's the same defense that, that, that was on the field last year in the Orange Bowl. I think that they're going to gel. Uh, it's a matter of time. Give them one, two more games, and I think that the whole team is going to be clicking. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we had a we had a rough seat. I mean, we was out the gate against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, and you got to remember, most of these kids never even played in front of a, a crowded stadium before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And Blacksburg was the loudest I've ever heard it. I've been there six times, and my mm-hmm. ears was ringing. So most of those guys never even seen that type of environment. You know what I'm saying? Due to COVID. So, um, and it was a shocker. So, I mean, I, I think I think we're just going to get better. You know what I'm saying? I think the guys are going to get better. They're going to gel. Um, we got 
uh, high level coaching. I think we got great players. We got great depth. I think they're going to get better. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Brendan, you got to give him, you got to give him his props. He is official. He's a great quarterback. He made like some tissue. great official. Like he really is. I, you, you know, he made some great throws. I mean, yeah, we missed a few sacks here and there, but the guy made plays. You know what I'm saying? They had great receivers. And, I mean, it's a good team. You know, it was, a, it was a good team. You know, but that tells us where we're at. You know, I think that we're better than what a lot of people think we are. We're a whole lot better. Mr. Conley. I think he stepped away if Dr. Rucker. Dr. Rucker. Yeah, yeah. I I can chime in. Um, I'm just going to kind of go back and uh, just just get a little bit of uh, one of the questions that you asked a little earlier about. um, You was talking about how Mac Brown, you know, we talked about how he's like the father and how he looks at the big picture. And and then you asked the question about Bateman. So I'm going to make this more. Uh, about Bateman, he he is a guy that zooms in, um, and he's he's very he's a he's very methodological. If you know in his approach, you know, and how he does things, he, he's like well, I would say a chess player. He knows what pieces he needs in order to be effective and, and to win. And see now, you know, with the youth, this twenty twenty group is deaf, you know, with it's actually their first recruiting um, class that came through. And so they have those pieces and now they got 2021 and and they got their pieces and man, these pieces have come, has come together this year. You know, Um, you have the guys that played um, in the uh, orange bowl. Now you have guys that are coming up that are, you know, four or five star guys and not just because they're ranked, but because these guys are, or, or dogs that has come up and they're being put in the game and you're seeing this this chemistry starting to happen and you're seeing this 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 defense and this 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 mind that uh Bateman has you see you're seeing it start to come come together and it's going to be something to watch and I don't think it's going to be later than you know than it is sooner I think a lot of people look and say oh they're going to be really good next year no it's now and, and it's happening right now. Actually it happened last year. You know, I don't know if you guys paid attention, you know, I, I would say uh, Mr. Conley and, and, and Mr. Glover, we kind of been on this whole tip of, of a youth movement anyway. We talked about that last year. You know, we kind of, I don't know who started it. I don't <laughs> want it. Nobody wants any credit. I just knew it. It went and it's like, dang, that's, that's a great idea. I know I didn't start it, but when it came out, I'm like, yes. And we saw it last year and it's starting to happen. You know, we saw it early and it's starting to happen. And not just with our sons in the 2020, and then you see 2021 coming and these guys, they're ready to play. And I think that chemistry has started to connect and we are in for a ride. Uh, you know, we looking at Virginia Tech as if, oh man, we shouldn't have done a black eye. I think that's the best thing that ever could have happened to us this that's year. Right. That's right. And, and, yeah, it, it forced you. You know, a hurricane comes not to destroy; it comes to cleanse a lot of times and to put you push you into your destination as well. So I just look at that fact of we are. I think we're ready. I think I think we are, and I think we're going to get a whole lot better a lot sooner than what people think. Sooner than Mr. Conley. Yes, sir. So for me, you look at. 
I think what about seven, eight guys are sophomores or uh, redshirt sophomores. So the defense are very young. So and plus, most of the boys gonna have one year, you know, in the in the weight room. So mm-hmm. just just give get the team time, you know, like stop trying to think, you know, this is the A five Bears. You know, those are grown men that had years together. This is this group actually first year together. So give give it give it some time. You know, it, you know, nothing gonna happen overnight. I believe in um, Coach Bateman and his defense. And to me, I feel like just the potential that this defense have, it gonna it gonna come. Give it give it a game or two. It's gonna be here very soon. That's right. This weekend, this weekend here again, Georgia Tech. We might take that step. You know, we, we might not, but you know, you can't you can't force it. You know, if you if you support Carolina football support, you know, the this, this defense is gonna step up. I promise you that. Yeah. Cause because we got players on all three levels. And I'm telling you, this defense is nice. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, and as uh everybody in this room knows and everybody listening knows. And more coming, more yeah. coming, oh, it. more coming. So they, uh, yeah, they are building something <clears> special <throat> on defensive side, um, gentlemen. I want to thank you each, uh, Dr. Rucker, Mr. Conley, Mr. Glover, for joining us. It's been a blast. Um, Gregory Hall for lining it up, and Greg Barnes for just being Greg Barnes. I mean, that dude's the man. Uh, but this yeah. has been a fun podcast. I know we've taken about an hour and a half out of y'all's night, but I do appreciate it. I know our listeners appreciate it. Maybe we'll get back again one day, do it again, and, and get an update. I was saying, man, we're ready. And uh, yes, yeah, I'm going to get some name, image, and likeness on Dr. Rucker <coughs> and on his podcast, and we're going to start you know, making people pay to listen to you talk now. Well, let's do it. <laughs> my, wife said I, my, my wife claims I can talk, so I, I never said that, but she does. <laughs> well, she's right. <laughs> but it's been fun, folks. You've been listening to the InsideCarolina.com podcast uh, on the beat live. Dr. Rucker, Mr. Conley, Mr. Glover. They've got three sons that you might recognize on Saturday night in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Johnny T-shirt, thanks for sponsoring us. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Take care, fellas. All right. There you go. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. Yep. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.